You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest for this episode is Chip House. Chip is Chief Marketing Officer at Insightly, which is a scalable CRM. So Chip, welcome to the show. It's really cool to have you. Jeremy, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So let's get right into our topic, which is email personalization. And I want to explore the phrase with you, show me, you know me. That's something that you mentioned when we, when we were preparing for this episode. So let's just start right there. Show me, you know me. Where does that come from and what does it mean? Yeah, sure. So show me, you know me is actually an acronym, S-N-Y-K-M, but it was coined by Samantha McKenna, who is, you know, a former salesperson at LinkedIn. She's does a lot of speaking and writing about how to do social selling, you know, how to optimize how you're working on LinkedIn. And we found it very inspiring. And so we had Sam uh, as a guest on one, one of our shows, actually, with, with Sightly. And it just really resonated with me. It was a great way to boil down what you're trying to do to differentiate yourself when you're doing outreach to people you may not know, whether it's via email or whether it's via social media. Basically, you know, to not just treat them like a number, number one. And, you know, so making sure that you're customizing your messages when you're sending them out. And what does that mean? What does it mean to customize your yeah. messages? Well, it means to, to, to leverage some information that you might know about them or have learned about them from the research that you've done. So you're showing that you've put in the work to understand an individual rather than just be, you know, one of the maybe myriad or thousands of people that might be reaching out to them. So you're kind of differentiating yourself because you went the extra mile to do some work to get to know them and, and try to put yourself in their shoes, you know, with and that might be encouraging that you actually might be able to help them, right? So if you're mm-hmm. actually trying to engage somebody in a business sense and maybe sell something to them, hypothetically, or at least create a relationship and network with them, you know, I, I think too many people do cold outreach and, and just play the odds. Like, well, I'm going to get one in a hundred maybe to respond to me and right. that'll be fine. And other people who are much more success, successful, such as Sam McKenna, use a framework like show me, you know, me, where you're actually doing the research proactively about a person and using that in your outreach. Okay. So, you know, there are different ways to personalize emails, right? The, probably the simplest is you can use the person's actual first name, right? And a lot of email systems will automate that. But we're talking about going beyond that, right? To, to personalize email in a more detailed way. So what's an example of that? Yeah, you know, I obviously being with a CRM company, I'm very conscious of the fact that a lot of companies have data that exists on their customers and their prospects. And a lot of that data exists inside of their CRM system. And some of that data may have been put in by the, the current rep or a customer service agent or a former sales rep from the company, or it might've been gathered from the system itself by the prospect, for example, interacting on a landing page, on the website, 
with a with an email that had been sent. So uh, often some of that data exists inside of the CRM. So I will say CRM data might include things like, did this person attend a webinar that our company held three years mm -hmm. ago? Have have they subscribed to our newsletter? Have they ever talked to any other sales reps before? Have they ever been a free trial before? I mean, all that, that kind of information can yeah. be garnered from a CRM. The other thing, it depends on, on what you have set up in your CRM, of course, but if it, you know, most CRMs will contain maybe address information, right? Or even potential, some other fields that could be helpful for getting to know somebody where at least, hey, I know what city you're in. Hey, oh, that's cool that you live in that area. I, you know, I grew up in that area or I went to college in that area type of thing. So it's just a, as an example. And I don't think that's creepy. You know, I don't think that's really, if you're using it in context of an outreach. So I think obviously today, LinkedIn is a, is a powerful pair, you yeah. know, LinkedIn plus CRM, I think is a powerful pair because the information people put on LinkedIn, they're either proactively sharing it about themselves because they want people to know it about them, or, you know, there might be data about, you know, where they left past work, where they went to school, blogs that they've written historically, events they've been to, or speaking that they've done historically, podcasts that they've been on, Jeremy, that can become highly relevant to the person reaching out because they've probably talked talked about a topic that is relevant to whatever your outreach might be. So mm -hmm. again, so being more specific, right. I guess, to your question, you know, you know, potentially, you know, somebody has written an article about customer experience in the manufacturing industry. And because they've done that, you now understand that, okay, that this person knows and cares about customers. And they are an expert maybe in the, the manufacturing industry. And so I want to read what they've written and legitimately use that in my outreach when I'm talking mm -hmm. to them. Like, hey, I found it really relevant when you were talking about customer experience in the manufacturing industry and how consumers appreciate speed more than anything else when dealing with a manufacturer or, or, or distributor or whatever that might be. And that, you know, nugget that shows you did your work ahead of time can be the difference between being ignored and being responded to. Yeah, for sure. And so I think the good news is that it's easier than ever to find stuff like that, right? As you mentioned, it might already be in your CRM. It's on LinkedIn. Somewhere, just Google someone, you're going to find a whole bunch of stuff that that might be useful and relevant. And you can use that to create emails that are much more likely to get a response because they, they're personalized, right? Like you show you've done your homework. I think the challenge there, though, is that doing all that takes quite a bit of time and effort. It's, you're, you're, you know, writing emails one at a time, more or less, as opposed to what you were describing before, kind of playing the numbers game, you know, spraying out a whole bunch and hoping that people respond. Is there a middle ground? Can you can you do both in some way? Can you have that level of personalization and also scale it up to the point where you're not doing things just one at a time? Yeah, I, that's the challenge, right, Jeremy? Yeah, is being able to do that kind of 
personalization at scale. And I think it's different for marketers than it is for salespeople, because I think if I'm a marketer these days, it's, and I'm sending an email to a, a list of prospects that I've hopefully garnered in some opt-in manner, right? And so yeah. they're expecting to receive emails from me, you know, probably in the process of the sign up or some engagement I've had with those subscribers in the past. I've been able to gather more information that's useful that I can personalize an email with. And that's not magic anymore, right? I mean, marketers have been doing that for 20, 20 some years and you can do that at scale. But I think the bar is a bit high, is higher for a salesperson doing outreach. Clearly, I'm going to know your name is Jeremy, right? But, you know, can I pull something very specific from something that I know that you care about, Jeremy? And it might mm -hmm. be Bloomington, Indiana. It, it could be podcasting or something else that you're passionate about and really trying to create that connection. And so I think it's difficult to scale that authentically, mm -hmm. you know, as a sale per salesperson. But generally what, what we found is that the salespeople that are careful about reaching out uh, with a show me, you know me type outreach, just receive higher response rates. And that makes the time, extra time worth it. Okay. So, so if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like there's kind of no getting around. It does take extra time to do this, but as you just said, it's worth it, even if you're overall sending out fewer emails per day or, you know, per month. Still, if you're targeting in the right way and you're writing the emails in a right way that that doesn't cross the line over into creepy, maybe, then you're then it's worth it anyway, because you're just going to get a higher overall response rate compared to blasting out, you know, hundreds without much personalization. Is, is that yeah, right? and I, I don't know about you, Jeremy, but my my inbox fills up these days with people trying to sell me stuff. Stuff, yeah, you know. So as a CMO, I think everybody knows that CMOs tend to have budgets. CMOs tend to buy right. buy software, right. and so I re receive a lot of B two B outreach. You know, frankly, and I I know what stands out to me. Right, it's typically mm. a subject line that uses a show me you know me type methodology. Right, where they are. Mm -hmm mentioning something that I've written. They're mentioning a hobby. I had a, you know, one that I liked recently that pulled on the fact that I'm a drummer, you know, and it said, oh. Hey, do you want to talk about drums and music plus, you know, this other topic? And so I thought that was kind of clever anyway, and it didn't strike me as inauthentic. It was sort of differentiating. Um, and so, yeah, no, I think that's, that's, that's right. The data exists. It takes a little homework to, to do it well. Mm -hmm. You you mentioned before, and I just brought it up that you know use the word creepy. Is there is there a line that you can cross where it's too personal, you know, too much personalization, where the person's like, "Whoa, you know, you're digging into some weird stuff that that crosses the line." I, I think there definitely is. It's difficult to figure out where that line is, Jeremy. You know, yeah. I, I think the first thing I would say is make whatever you're calling out relevant, you know, to, to the outreach itself. Right. Yeah. So drums may not be a relevant thing to reach out to me with, but you know, they use that sort of in a clever way, I think, to tie, tie into it, to the outreach. I, I guess I, I've seen outreach where it seemed inauthentic because they, they pulled a random post of mine from years ago, you know, and commented on it. And I saw them like it on it, like it on LinkedIn 
months or years later and then mm. commented on it. I thought it was totally irrelevant. And so it seemed like sort of a, a junior try, if you will, mm. or, or try okay. to make the connection. Mm-hmm. So in terms of what's creepy, I clearly there's, there's a set of things that I think are sort of off limits, right? You know, if you're commenting on somebody's family or that type of thing, you know, that would be creepy. Yeah. Okay. So like you say, keep it relevant. And that I'm sure that means keep it relevant to business stuff. What, what, yeah. You know, the conversation you're, you're really trying to spark. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense. Even if there's no clear, bright line, just use common sense probably in any given situation. I, th- I think so. I, you know, what's, what's, what's interesting is we found quite often the lack of not looking for this stuff leads to embarrassing moments, right? I mean, that's mm. the, that's the other thing is you can avoid the outreach where you reach out to somebody and they're like, oh yeah, I was a customer of yours last year. Did you not know? And then I had to leave because of economic situations or something like that. So often I think the data lends an obvious answer to you, right? With a little mm. bit of homework, I, I would say at least half the time. Right. Now, a minute ago, you used the word authentic as opposed to inauthentic, right? And I think that's also interesting that you can do that, that the way that you customize an email does, of course, ideally have to come across as authentic. But there are ways of doing it which might seem, I don't know, too shallow or thin or, or, or you know, not like sort of doing the least that you possibly can, maybe. Like to, to you, what is that line between authentic and inauthentic when it comes to personalization? Yeah. Like I said, I think it's, it's maybe hard to find, find the exact line, Jeremy. It's one of those things you, you, you know what it feels like when somebody right. reach out, reaches out to you inauthentically and, and it seems like they're just sort of checking the box. You know, they're, they're using your name and they're, they're calling out some random fact factoid that they've looked at or that they've, they've seen in the news, maybe a press release that your company did that has that's maybe irrelevant. So I, I have a difficult time maybe defining it perfectly for you, but I think you, you, you know it when you see it. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, you kind of feel it, right? Like I, I'll get emails sometimes from that, you know, Hey, Jeremy, we, we work with a lot of podcast companies just like yours on software development or something like that. And it's like, okay, they have my name. I guess they looked and saw that we do podcasting stuff, but I have no need for software development and like nothing on my website would indicate that I do, you know, like that to me feels just like that, that doesn't feel very authentic to me or personal to something that I would actually be interested in. Yeah. And I mean, I obviously, you know, I've had competitors reach out to me too, you know, which is interesting, you know, <laughs> where, whether, you know, I'm at, now I, I'm on a, I'm at a CRM company and I'll have another CRM company reach out saying, Hey, could you guys use the CRM in 2020? It's like, actually, no, we don't need we're, one. We're good. good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely inauthentic because there's clearly zero effort that went into that call. Right. Okay. So. What's your advice for marketing teams that want to be, that want to do this, you know, make their email outreach more personal, more authentic, but they're more at the beginning stages of figuring that. Well, I think there's, you said marketing teams, right? And so I'll answer the marketing piece, maybe, and then I'll answer the sales piece. Okay. So I, I think marketing teams specifically, you know, it's about starting to think about 
gathering first party data, number one, and being able to use it and using it as in the smallest relevant segment. I love Seth Godin now. He talks about the smallest viable audience, you know, and mm -hmm. so it, when I'm doing marketing, I should, you should think about who's the smallest viable audience that I can create a truly authentic message to. And because I was authentic and differentiated and specific to their view of the world, whether it's their role, their ownership level, if they're a current customer, their industry, how do I go the extra mile to make it extra relevant for the smallest viable audience? I would encourage marketers to think that way. And if they feel like they're lacking some of that data, start asking more questions, you know, mm. doing more surveys, gathering more information, maybe adding more fields to your form. We, we added to our get a demo form, by the way, a, just an open text field for how did you hear about us? And mm -hmm. a lot of people will do drop downs, right? Where they'll give them a selection from a menu. And that's just not super effective because people will just pick something, right? Versus actually, right. you know, I heard you on the Jeremy Shear podcast, you're right. You know, mm -hmm. That right. would be compelling to learn, you know, and be able to use that in an outreach. Anyway, so that's, I, I, I wax on, but that's, that's mm -hmm. marketing. I think on the sales side, you know, there are sales teams that are focused on inbound and there are sales teams that are focused on outbound. If you're a sales team that's doing outbound, as most are, you're, you now have more data at your fingertips than you ever have, probably in your own CRM, plus volunteered by your prospect on social media, right? Mm -hmm. And I would just recommend that sales leaders, especially, focus less on 100 calls an hour or whatever it is that they're, they're kind of metrics and more about quality connections, you know, thinking further down the funnel, if you're a leader mm -hmm. to things that are truly driving value versus just activity. Okay. Makes good sense. Yeah. Well, Chip, great, great insights. Thank you so much for, for all that and really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for your time. Yeah, Jeremy, I, it, it, it was really enjoyable and great questions. Thanks a ton for having me. Yeah. Oh, actually, I forgot to ask, how can people uh, connect with you? Well, if you want to learn more about Insightly, you can learn about Insightly at Insightly.com. And I, I tweet a little bit at CE House via Twitter and or look me up on LinkedIn. All right. Very good. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes and a link to Insightly. So once again, Chip, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks a ton, Jeremy. We'll see you later. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at Conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.